0: Manx Radio Maramai, good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service.
1: Manx Radio
0: Today is an important day in the life of the Christian Church. It's called Pentecost a word that actually means 50, because it's now 50 days since we reflected on the death of Jesus on that first Good Friday. But three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, and in the 40 days that followed, he appeared to his disciples, his close friends, a number of times. This is how the story is told in a book of the Bible called the Acts of the Apostles.
2: He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. In a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven Will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Come,
3: Holy Ghost, our souls inspire And lighten with celestial fire Thou the anointing Spirit art Dost thy seven gifts impart thy blessed unction from above is comfort life and fire up? Of our blindness praise 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 to thy eternal merit praise praise father Son and Holy Spirit praise praise praise
2: when the day of Pentecost came, When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, and said, They've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Will be saved. This may be our unending
3: song. Praise,
4: praise,
3: praise to Thy eternal merit. Praise, praise, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Praise.
0: This is why today is also often called the birthday of the Church, because the coming of the Holy Spirit turned those terrified disciples into fearless preachers and healers, willing to die for the sake of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, a message that was put into the hands of 12 men and yet is believed all around the world 2,000 years later. And it seems very appropriate that my guests today should be two modern-day disciples, Father and Son Methodist Ministers, Reverend Rod Ingruel and his son, Reverend Steve. Reverend Steve is, of course, well-known on the island as the Methodist Minister based in onken with his wife, Reverend Rebecca, and together they have care of the Methodist churches in the east of the island. Steve's dad, Reverend Rod, is rapidly becoming a known and valued part of island life through his now regular visits here to assist with training of Methodist local preachers. Reverend Rod and Reverend Steve, good morning and thank you for joining me today. Reverend Rod, can you fill in a little bit of background for us? Tell us a little bit about your ministry over the years.
4: Gosh, ministry. It's a long story, but that started when I went to a Bible college in Berwick-on-Tweed in 1978. And from there, after three years, I went to the Methodist College in Bristol and trained for another two years and then started in a circuit in North Yorkshire. Pickering Circuit up in North Yorkshire with oversight of 12 village chapels up on the moors So, Rod, what was it that took you to Bible College in the first place? When
0: when did you hear God's call on your life?
4: I heard God's call on my life in Guernsey, which is where the name comes from. My father and my uncle and my grandfather, they used to carry coffins in and out of church as pallbearers and one day I, I was asked to take a coffin into church and as we lowered it into the grave, I thought, this person knows the meaning of life and death, and that sent me back to church looking for answers. So that's how it all started, and eventually I went to Bible College in Berwick-on-Tweed.
0: You describe having care of rural churches. So did you stay in that type of
4: ministry, or or did you move around? We were eight years in North Yorkshire and then we moved to Abergavenny in South Wales where I had oversight of five churches there. I was the superintendent minister of the circuit and did a fair bit of work doing a big church extension and uh, started running alpha courses while we were there in Abergavenny, which was all good fun. And we were there 12 years, which was a very fulfilling time.
0: The Alpha Course was a great step forward, wasn't it, for churches
4: of all denominations? It came at the right time, would you say? We needed something like that. That's right. It's a very gentle introduction to the Christian faith. It leaves people with lots of space to talk, to discuss, to ask questions. And the important thing is that the leader doesn't show that he knows it all, because we don't know it all but it's a chance to share together and to explore together the Christian faith through videos, through discussion groups, uh, over a meal, and it's a lovely simple way to explore what the Christian faith means. I'm an alphaholic. In other words, I love doing alpha over the years. I've done many alphas. That's the word of the week, alphaholic. Do you know,
0: I have talked to so many people about alpha, alpha for young people, alpha in prisons, and, and that's the first time I've heard that.
4: That is brilliant. There was a report, and there was a, an Anglican bishop who said it. church has got to stop saying, here we are, come on in, and rather say, here we are, and let's go out. We can't stand on the doorstep and expect people to come in. We've got to be prepared to go out one way and another and to share our faith with those outside of the life of the church. He said something like it's the end of coming and the beginning of going. In other words, now we've got to go out. And that's an important thing, I think. And one of the things to do with Alpha was the fact that at the end of the day, if people come to a, a faith in, in what God has done in Jesus Christ, then... Quite frankly, I don't mind really where they worship after that. My ministry has always been one to do with the Kingdom of God. And the Methodist Church is where I work, as it were. The Kingdom of God is where my heart is, especially when we were in Chepstow. Uh, we moved from Abergavenny to Chepstone, we were there seven years running Alpha courses there, ecumenical Alpha courses. And when people came to faith and moved on into the life of the church, whether they were, went to a Catholic church, an Anglican church, a Baptist church or a Methodist church, that was fine because that was God's responsibility, not mine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: isn't it nice that we can leave some things to him, right? Oh, absolutely.
4: <laughs> <isn't
0: it? laughs> Steve, growing up in this environment... Um, One might have said that you would look to your dad and see a brilliant role model and say, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be just like him. So how do you separate from the fact that you admire and respect what your father does and don't just fall headlong into it yourself?
5: That's a really good question, Judith, and a really interesting thing to to reflect on. I had to stop myself from laughing when you spoke about uh, having my father as this role model through childhood. I know there is a verse in scripture which tells us that we must honour our father and mother, but my childhood was a normal one in as much as there were times when it was a lot easier to think of them as the gentle idiots next door. Every child goes through that, don't we? And I know my two children will probably go through that stage with myself and Bex at some point in the not too distant future. But in laughing about that, I think one of the things that I have always looked back on with a sense of gratitude is that uh, both my sister and I we given our space to make our own decisions and to do our own thing. I vividly remember as a child, it was my mum actually, who came in into our bedroom. And I can't precisely remember how old I was, but it was before my teenage years. And she sat down and she basically outlined what it was that she believed and why it was we went to church on Sundays. And we had the choice and the option to, at that point, carry on going to church ourselves or to stay at home and do our own thing. And it was never forced upon us that this is what we did because it was a Sunday. As it happens, both myself and my sister did continue going to church more often than not on Sundays. But you're quite right, Judith, that the time came when I was 15 that uh, we went on pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And it was a pilgrimage that my dad was leading, And it was something I had always wanted to do from the very first tour that Dad had led. I wanted to be on it. I wanted to go. One of the things that was offered, as is something we offer in our tours, was the chance to be baptised or to renew a baptism using the waters of the River Jordan. And the morning before that service, we were at the Mount of Beatitudes, this mountain, it's got an octagonal church, eight sides to it, with the text from one of the Beatitudes on each side. And we heard the Beatitudes being read. And the reading went on to the verse about blessed are you when people persecute you and revile you for my sake. And as I heard the Beatitudes being read, and particularly when it got to to that verse, I heard God saying to me time and again, do you mean it? do you mean it? In other words, I'd already said I was going to be baptised in the waters of the River Jordan. But there, the morning beforehand, was really a challenge being given to me by God. That you're about to do this thing, you're about to be baptised, you're about to make your declaration of faith. But if life gets hard, do you mean it? Are you going to stick to it? And that is the place where I really identify, not as a conversion moment, but as a conviction moment. This thing that I believed, i come to believe, actually is for me the thing that is most important and is the thing that I will stay faithful to no matter what gets thrown at me during the course of my life. So that was a really significant time for me there. And then in the waters of the River Jordan with my dad on one side and my granddad as a Baptist pastor on the other side, being baptised in the River Jordan later that day.
0: I think there's often a a misconception that faith is like a suit of armour. Once we've put it on, it's going to protect us Mm. from everything in the world. And nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus said, you will have trials and, and suffering, but I've overcome the world. It's giving us that anchor, that hook to hold on to, however you describe it, when the going does get tough, mm. and you have talked about tough mm. times that you've had, even during your training for ministry, and that talking about your uh, mental health issues, attacks of depression, has been very, very helpful to other people. Mm. But your faith didn't protect you from it.
5: Absolutely. And as I've spoken to yourself and your listeners in the past about these, one of the beautiful things that I find in Scripture is not just in the accounts of of those who have gone before. But also, when you look at uh, everything experienced by Jesus himself throughout his life and throughout his ministry, is that in God we have somebody who is there alongside us, who is with us, and who doesn't just sympathize, but can empathize, because he's experienced it too. What it is to be slandered, reviled, attacked, tortured, killed... We have a God who empathises with whatever we are going through in our human experience and that is a source of real comfort and a source of real strength when we go through times of difficulty ourselves, whatever they may be.
0: Particularly as everything that he suffered was unjust. He was absolutely the innocent victim. Rod, could I come back to you for a moment? Am I right in saying that you and your wife have been involved in fostering and adoption?
4: We were fostering children for 15 years. We we started when we were in Chepstow and it has been a very satisfying time. We fostered children mainly under the age of five. The reason for it, and often we were asked by um, social workers, well, why not uh, foster older children? And we said, well... Under fives, my wife is trained as a nursery nurse and so she's trained for under, under sevens and the other reason was that we live in a manse and the social worker looked a bit sort of skewed at us and I said, well, it's like this. Children come into care with enough hassle without living with the vicar. In the playground, the playground is a cool place and they've got enough problems coming into care without being teased about where they live. And so we we only fostered under sevens because under seven, children don't care where their friends live. Over seven, the playground's a cool place. Yeah. And so that's what we did. And we did it for 15 years. We took youngsters, sometimes straight from hospital, and we had them sometimes for three months, sometimes for 13, 14 months, uh, until there was a decision made where they were going to adoption. Almost all the children we had went to adoption from our home.
0: Whilst it is a wonderful thing to do, and I cannot tell you how much I admire you and all people who do that for all kinds of reasons, that it must at times have been very challenging and very Mm. painful. It must be no matter how you try, you're bound to form an attachment with those children um, no matter how you 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 keep reminding yourself that they will go for adoption, you, you can't stop
4: you can't stop loving them, can you? No, our task was to form form attachments. That's our job. Psychiatrists will tell us that a child needs to form attachment with a significant adult before the age, and I think it's either five or seven. Otherwise, they'll have problems with attachment for the rest of their lives. And so, our task was to make to enable them to form attachment in order that when the time came, we could transfer that attachment over 10 days, a fortnight, transfer that attachment from us to their adoptive parents. And that was a a period that was a week, 10 days, a fortnight Mm. of transferring from us, where they saw us as a significant adult, to seeing their new adoptive parents as the significant adult.
0: And I would guess that if they had learned to trust you and, and to love you, if you present to them another adult in a positive way, they're going to look positively at that person as as well.
4: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and always our word was our word. We would say to the children, look, people have let you down. Our word is our word. If we've said we'll do it, we'll do it. One way and another, that will happen. And so if we said we were going to such and such a place, that's where we went. If we said this was going to happen, that's what happened as far as we were able to so that they could trust us because they needed to be able to trust adults and being able to transfer that trust again, as you say, from us as a significant adult to, to another carer, to adoptive parents, really.
0: But I would guess that through that 15 year journey with all, I can't imagine how many little ones have passed through your Mm. house, that a lot of prayer went into it. Prayer for the children, prayer to give them the best.
4: Oh, absolutely. Prayer, Prayer undergraded everything that we did. That was the important thing. And we, Yeah, we saw, we saw prayers answered. Sometimes there was a challenge involved in what was going on. Sometimes we didn't always agree with what the social workers were planning on doing and there were ways in which you could challenge that because that's how the legal system works without going into the details of it. But yes, our task was to fight for the best for the child.
0: Thank you to Father and Son Methodist Ministers, Reverend Rod and Reverend Steve ingruel a couple of modern-day disciples talking about their respective ministries, mixed with music celebrating the gift of the Holy Spirit on this, the Feast of Pentecost. And maybe it's worth reflecting also today that the gifts of the Holy Spirit that include strength, courage and good judgment weren't just something offered to those first disciples but are ours for the asking now and always. And Reverend Rod and Reverend Steve will in fact be back on the programme again later next month, because being Methodist ministers isn't the only thing that they hold in common. They both have a deep love for the Holy Land, and for a number of years have been jointly leading pilgrimages there. They're planning another one in the autumn of 2024, and when they join me again next month, they'll have lots of information about it, and also about an open evening that's a great way to find out more, without any pressure, from people who have already made the same pilgrimage. And now it's time to take a look at our notice board, and the news that I have is all for next weekend. Next Saturday, June the 3rd, there'll be the regular monthly craft market in Glen May Chapel and Community Centre. Open from 11am to 4pm, admission is free and there'll be homemade produce and handicrafts by local artists, knitwear, jewellery, artwork and much more. Homemade light lunches, including the famous Bacon Baps, will also be on sale. To find the chapel and community centre, just head for Glen May and look out for the bunting and the banners. And the TT Cafes are back. The Balaf TT Cafe in the Community Hall on Station Road, just a short distance from Balaf Bridge, will be open daily from Saturday June 3rd to Friday June 9th, from 9am to half past four, serving hot and cold food and drinks, homemade cakes and freshly cooked all-day breakfasts. The TT Café in the Parish Hall in Bride will be open each day from June the 5th to June the 9th. And St Jude's Food is back too at Tiny Gelgy, the old schoolhouse that's just almost across the road from St Jude's Church. Look out for the big banners on the roadside and at road junctions in the St Jude's area. And St Jude's Food will be served from the 5th to the 9th of June from 11am until 4pm each day. Salads, baps, quiche, pies and cakes, and hot and cold drinks. Selby Methodist Church invites you to their traditional Mad Sunday service and barbecue. That's next Sunday, June the 4th. But because of the road closure at half past 12 next Sunday, the service will start at half past 10. This is to give everyone time to share in the service and then have a burger from the barbecue in the church garden and still get across the course before the roads close. Selby Methodist Church is at the crossroads in the village opposite the Selby Glen Hotel and the church will be open and serving food and drinks on each day that the roads are closed for racing. And finally, next Sunday, June the 4th, Ramsey Baptist Church will once again be in Ramsey Town Hall. Pop in between 10 and 12 noon to enjoy hot and cold drinks and cakes served in the atrium. Donations in aid of the Great North Air Ambulance Service would be welcome. And that's all we have time for now, but I'll be back tonight at nine o'clock to open the door to our virtual late lounge for sundown, a mix of easy listening music and a bit of nostalgia to round off your day. I'd love you to join me if you can. And so, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening, and I wish you and those you love a blessed and happy week. To all those who are in any way involved in the TT Festival, a safe and enjoyable week. And to everyone, a very good morning. The
1: Nation